Now, my next guest may be familiar to you as the actress who played Mo from Brookside and Mimi Maguire from Shameless. But she's also become just as famous as the woman who became pregnant through IVF at the age of 50, giving birth to a little baby girl last December. Tina Malone, you're very welcome to the show. First of all, how's baby flame? Um, well, she, she's nine weeks old. I, I, I couldn't be any luckier. I mean, she is a really good baby. But um, I, I think after Danielle, who will be 33 this year, I was due a good one because um, <laughs> she cried and hasn't stopped. <laughs> she sounds absolutely amazing. You know what happens when you have a baby? They sprinkle magic dust on you and you forget all of the horrors of childbirth and you want to have another one. Is that I'd happen? have one tomorrow. <laughs> would you? <laughs> I'd have another one. And I'd tell you something, I'd have a caesarean tomorrow. In fact, I'd have 10 caesareans tomorrow as opposed to giving birth, having natural childbirth. Was it tough? Um, no, t- to be honest, yeah, wh- when I had Daniela, I, mean, I was pregnant at 17 and I had her at 18. Um, and I think really... The caesarean, I mean, obviously, there is very little pain. I kind of breeze through this, I've got to be honest. And I don't know why that is, whether I'm better physically or mentally or emotionally or whatever. Um, And also, I think when you're younger, people tend to tell you less, do you know what I mean? Mm. So uh, I think that was kind of a problem, you know. And does it bother you when people have talked endlessly? You've become more famous uh, as the woman who had a baby uh, at 50. So uh, does it bother you that people talk about that all of the time? No, that's why I chose to do the documentary we've just had on TLC. Um, Because, to be honest with you, I was quite astounded when I went for IVF um, that people, you see, I'm 50, but sometimes I think of myself as 12. Um, You know, I still at times think I'm a Disney princess. Um, I can be, um, things like age don't bother me. I've got friends from age 20 to 70. um, And I don't know whether that's because I'm in a creative industry. And so, you know, kind of race, creed, color, religion, age, size, whatever, is almost irrelevant, thank God. Mm. Um, And so I kind of, you know, it it just never occurred to me that it was going to be so controversial. you know, but hey-ho, it was. I mean, it even surprised me when some of my family were reticent about it, you know. Um, I, I'm from a, you know, a kind of predominantly Irish Catholic family. And, um, you know, my, my mother was quite worried about it in the beginning, you know. But um, no, it didn't occur to me. And I suppose that's because I'm 50 and 20 years ago, I was, uh, you know, an alcoholic. I was morbidly and clinically obese. I was skinned. I had kind of, my bipolar was quite bad at times. And so, you know, it it was a very different, I was in a very different place. Yeah, sure. And Tina, what, like I suppose I would sort of look at you and say, what would make you want to go through all of that at this age in your life? Not that you shouldn't do it, but, you know, what what persuaded you that, you know, you've been through so much in your life so far. Mm -hmm. You have a daughter, as you say. Yeah. What, What was this, you know, you were compelled to have another child? You know what? We weren't desperate, and it wasn't to keep my hus- my young husband, as a couple of people have said. Uh, he, you know, we weren't desperate. We looked at every option. We looked at everything from surrogacy to adoption to fostering. And I wanted a baby. And my attitude is, you know, if I want to ride a bike, if I want to travel across the Inca Trail, if I want to kind of, you know, abseil, why shouldn't I? Who, who, you know, who mm. is there to tell me I can't? But was it I important? Won't? Was it important to have a baby with Paul? Was it? Was it the fact that you were cementing something that was about the love that you felt for your husband? Um, not 
not really, if I'm really honest now, I, I wanted a baby and I'm in a better place in every way and I am in love and I'm with a good man, uh, um, you know, a wonderful man. I've found my soulmate and I kind of felt just because I met him at 45, should I be in any way penalised? You know, I'd road tested a few before him <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I knew what was right and what wasn't, believe you me. And... Uh, you know, no, it wasn't to cement anything. It would have been, we decided we'd give it three goes so that you don't, because, you know, I've met, I've met friends and people who've kind of had six or seven goes, which financially is, is not feasible anyway to kind of spend that kind of money and also to batter your body like that. Um, but do you know what? I'm, I'm really serious. It never occurred to me. Oh, I'm 50. What am I like? You know, you're talking to someone, Laura. I'm up at four in the morning, me cooking lemon drizzle cake and watching The Sopranos. I'll get up at two. I'll go to bed at 10 at night. Very rare occasion. And get up at two in the morning because I can't do more than four or five hours a night sleep. You're too long dead. I don't believe in sleeping too much. No, I agree with you on that. But take me back to to Liverpool and growing up in that Irish uh, Catholic family. Mm. Well, it was, it was very strange because my, my mother's family were very working class. They were the meanies. My, my nan was Josephine Bernadette Meany from Cashel Rock, Tipperary. Um, and my father's family, my father was Francis Thomas Patrick Malone. And his dad, John Joseph Malone, married Leonie Trevelier, who was French. And um, um, my mother's parents were Josephine Bernadette Meany, married Eric, Eric Evans. So he was kind of quite Welsh, you know, and, and the, so I had the Irish on both sides. But my father's, John Joseph Malone, was quite middle class. Um, so I had a very strange background because, um, you know, they were both from both ends of the spectrum, my parents. Yeah, um, amazing gene pool, though. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, Tina, were you always, if somebody said to you when you were younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you say, I want to be an actress? Yeah, you know, I always knew I did want to be. Um, but, you know, uh, to, to be honest, when I was about five or six or seven, it was more a dancer. It was only when I realised you were never going to make any money at that. Um, but it was always a dancer. But, yeah, um, I always, you know what, it's sometimes I think it's something that's born in you because it, it did. my nan played the piano and my dad played the banjo, the mandolin, the accordion, the piano, the guitar, the violin. My father, but he was very eclectic and bohemian and spoke about 17 languages. So, you know, it, it was only um, kind of, to be honest, it was only later in my teens that I kind of discovered Ireland um, and, and, you know, went back all over Ireland, went from Mayo, Sligo and Cashel Rock, Tipperary to find, you know, old homes where my family came from because they all obviously ended up in Liverpool at some point. You, um, and, and, you know, it's funny, isn't it? You know, 20, 30 years ago, it was kind of, you felt like you were the dregs of the society at times mm. when you, you banged on about being Irish. Now it's the trendiest thing in the world, isn't I was going to say, you Everyone sound... you meet who's American <laughs> or Australian, everyone you meet bloody Irish. You and know? You, you sound very connected to Ireland. Yeah, I, I, I was. I, I think somewhere as well, my, my mum used to say, I think I've got the Romany Gypsy in me as well. You know, from my mum's, my nan's side, I mean, it's a beautiful story how Eric Evans met Josephine Meany. Josephine Meany, my grandmother, was actually going to become a nun. She was in a convent at 14, 15 training, and he used to pass her on a bicycle. 
And uh, he kind of caught her there and she left the convent, ran away with him to Liverpool. Wow. Isn't that lovely? And was had it? all these children, these eight kids, you know, and my mum was the second. So. And, and then came along Tina Malone. Was the big break playing Mo in Brookside? I guess so, you know. Um, I've done an awful lot of theatre and I'd say, you know, five years of Brookside. The beauty of that was you kind of get that fame on a level where you kind of do all the silly things, the drinking too much, the... You know, the doing things you shouldn't be doing, going to, you know, sitting in the front row or take that, doing kind of, uh, you're not as selective first time round, I mm. guess. I've had fame the second time around, so it's been very different with Shameless. But I, I, I kind of think, you know, um, it, it was such a long time ago. I mean, I left Brookside 19 years ago this November. Oh. And I was there five years, so I kind of feel I was really quite young then. And in a lot of ways quite messed up, and in a lot of ways still training to be an actor. Let's move on to playing um, to playing Mimi Maguire, because she was a huge, larger-than-life, you know, loud-mouthed character. Did you enjoy playing her, first of all? Yeah, you know, the beauty of playing a character like that for nine or ten years is, I only originally went in for one episode, is, you know... Um, such a, those kind of roles only go to people like Robert De Niro, to Robert Carlyle, you know, to, you know, Brendan Gleeson, to, you know, it's always predominantly men who those roles are created for. There's very few Lady Macbeths around, you know, yeah. and um, so it was, it was just a joy. And I kind of feel if I live to be 100, I'll never get the opportunity to play something like that again. Um, I'll never be blessed to work probably alongside people like George Faber and, and Paul Abbott again. And, and the beauty of her was she was scouse, married to this big kind of, you know, Paddy Maguire was this kind of big Belfast guy with seven manx sons. So again, you know, it was all about kind of, you know, that kind of move from Ireland to Manchester and Liverpool predominantly where, you know, the, most people are Irish, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Did she resonate with you? I mean, was there any mirroring back in real life for you? Um, you know what? The things we have in common was Mimi and Tina were both fat um, and both lost weight. She didn't have a gastric band. She just went on a diet. Um, and we were both scouts. Uh, nothing else, really. I guess every character you play, you have to bring a certain part of yourself to the role. So, I mean, the great thing was venting anger. You know what I mean? So uh, you got the opportunity to shout. But, and Tina, and it wasn't... Like, just, you've mentioned your demons a couple of times. And if you yeah. do you mind it? Because, you know, I think it's really good to talk about that because you're here, you're so happy, you've got your lovely husband, your amazing yeah. child sitting right next to you. But, you know, you talked about your weight, first of all. You weren't, yeah. you weren't always overweight. I mean, in your 20s, you were well, size I, 12. I, you know what? It, it's, uh, I was... At, at 28, I was kind of told I was... I had OCD. It was only in my late 30s I was told I had OCP, which is obsessive-compulsive personality as well as disorder. Um, and the difference is, what that actually means is I have uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, which lends itself to my hoarding, to my neuroses, with everything being in a, in a certain place at a certain time, and I can hyperventilate over it. But um, OCP is more kind of what I've got, and people, I guess, like Stephen Fry, where if somebody said it's obsessive-compulsive personality, if somebody said to me, here's a pill to cure you of your madness, would you take it? And no, I wouldn't, because there's kind of a certain safety in that madness. But um, what I'm also is, what comes with that is 
addictive personality. So whether it's food, drink, drugs, smoking, sex, work, whatever it is you do to, it's compulsive. Um, and, you know, the, the only obsession and addiction, unfortunately, I never got was the gym, which might, might have saved me from myself in a lot of ways. But, Do you know, how, um, how heavy did you get? Like, we, Oh, my it? God, I went from, uh, you know what, I was a size 12 in my late kind of 20s. About six years ago, I was about size 28 and about 19 stone one, right. which I never, ever told anybody. I was staying with my mother and I went on holiday with my best friend Richie and Danielle and my niece Michaela and my daughter Danielle and her friend Baby Lee. And it was almost like an epiphany. It was horrendous. And I thought, my God, I'm in my early 40s and I feel depressed. I'm in the most incredible job in the world. I was staying at my mum's. I didn't own my own house. I felt irresponsible and in every way. And I came home from Egypt. We went on this holiday and I almost had a breakdown. And I just just poured out my heart to my mum and bless her she's always been had less money than me but much far more sensible and responsible she went she said let's get a gastric band which you i got the gastric balloon first and she paid for it you know i should have been in a position to have paid for it myself but i was that desperate so we went and got the gastric balloon and the problem i find and, and what i've been told by doctors and through my cognitive therapy is I can't moderate. The problem with food and what you put in your mouth is you can't abstain from food. Now, if you can't moderate because you are OCD or bipolar or whatever, there's the problem. Therein lies the problem. Do you you have think, a lack of self-control. Do you still think you have a weakness there, even though you have the gastric band? Do you still think if, you, if, if given the choice that you would eat again? It's a, yeah, it, my God, yeah, if the gastric... Well, I had the balloon in for six months, lost four stone, brilliant, put two back on the minute the balloon came out because it's quite archaic, the balloon, so you can only have it for six months. But to be honest with you, the gastric band is still in me. I kept it through my pregnancy, and it just gets pushed up along with the other organs while you're pregnant. But to be honest with you, yeah, I would. Hold my hands up, shoot me. I'm holding, I'm, you know, I'm telling you straight, if you took this gastric band out of me, I would probably revert to type and go back to being clinically and morbidly obese again. But my mum set me off on that ball rolling. Um, and my mum's just a joy. My God, I'm lucky to she have that. She sounds like she, an amazing mum. You spoke about alcohol is, a yeah. couple of times, uh, Tina, because yeah. uh, you've actually put that demon to rest as well, haven't you? Yeah, I'm 15 years sober, um, God, I keep saying next month. Um, I haven't had a drink for 15 years, two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, you realise what a... Uh, don't get me wrong, I wasn't a violent drunk and I wasn't a promiscuous drunk. I just liked being drunk. Um, I, I liked to drink. I never had a drink to take the edge off things or give me personality. I just like drink, like I like food. I never had... Uh, with the, the compulsion with the food was I was a greedy bitch do you know what I mean I act like a pig uh, for you're, all my you're hard on yourself Tina you sound like no do you know what yourself. I'm not Nora I'm just honest I know how intelligent I am I know I'm you know I wasn't uh, smacked in the face with the beauty stick but I know I'm intelligent I know I I have charisma I know I have a presence I know I'm my ability as an actor um, but you know I also know my flaws and what's next for you Tina um, right, well, I'm, I'm hopefully directing a play this year. 
I'm hopefully producing a very low-budget feature film um, in the next few months. That's been in production for a couple of years. And my book comes out on the 27th, um, Tina Malone back in control. Um, and I am in control. I'm in a better place now. At 51, I was a couple of weeks ago than I've ever been. And you know what? Who knows? I'll either go for having my neck and my boobs and my belly done, or if I can talk my husband round, I'd go for another baby. Um, and I'm blissfully happy. If you just said to me, Nora, 10 years ago, would I want an Oscar or a baby? I'd have said an Oscar, an Emmy, a Golden Globe, an RTS, any of those. Now, if you said to me, would you want your baby or an Oscar? I'd say you can keep all of them. I want another baby. Hey, I saw on Twitter that you were tweeting Simon Cowell. You haven't seen he the baby? He tweeted me. <laughs> he, do you know what's funny? He's got 10 million followers, and for some reason, he follows me. And he only follows what is about 1,600 people. And it was other people. I have the most bizarre followers, you know. But I met Simon many years ago, and, and one of the kind of, I don't mention this in my book, actually, but he did say to me, you know, you've got the devil in your eyes. And I said, you know, if I did the X Factor or Pop Idol, Simon, I'd make you look like a Teletubby, a pussycat. <laughs> um, so, uh, but he follows me, yeah. You're both new parents now. Yeah. And he doesn't get as much stick because he's 54 and rich. Um you know, because he's the guy. It's funny, isn't it? If it, if I was Simon Cowell, if it's Simon Cowell or Stringfellow or Mick Jagger in the seventies, they get a slap on the back and somebody buys them a bottle of crystal. <laughs> if it's me, it's like you silly old selfish cow. Um, you know, but there, there you go. On that note, Tina, don't be a stranger to us in Ireland. You're absolutely right. That's Tina Malone and her new book, Back in Control, is out. And thanks for joining us on Mindfeed. Uh, thank you very much for having me.